Cherokee. How are we doing? How are we living? Austin Cunningham, Justin Trees. It's been a while, all right, since we've done an episode of Talking Football. That's my fault because we saw the dismantling that the Kansas City Chiefs took on Sunday night in the Super Bowl. Um, so I'm not going to come in hyped up. I'm not going to come in high because I haven't been high on life. I've been kind of mid-tier and low because it's also freezing cold where I'm at here in Joplin, Missouri, and I'm talking like below 20 degrees. And in the midst of this, I have been moving and it has been awful to do a radio show, hop off and go, all right, and now I have to move quickly. Just not a great combination when you're also stacking on the fact that my Kansas City Chiefs absolutely got destroyed, outcoached, outperformed, and this high-powered offense that we've come to love in Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, and everyone else that's along with the bunch uh, couldn't find their way into the end zone. So here we are, and that's something we're going to talk about. I get to relive those sad moments that I've tried to forget, but at the same time, I've realized maybe it's kind of a blessing in disguise for this team moving forward on their weaknesses no longer becoming weaknesses and something that they can focus this offseason and have become strengths. And that's the offensive line. So before I continue to dive into this and go over the Super Bowl, I should probably welcome in the co-host named Justin Trees. How are you, my man? I know we talked before we hopped on, but damn, how are you after the Super Bowl? I mean, I don't know if I'm in better shape than you or worse. Like, you're, yeah, your team lost, but I got my ass kicked in some bets all weekend. So, I mean, not feeling great about that. So, uh, you know, you win some, you lose some. Let's dive into the game, though, man. So, kind of like you were saying, yeah, Kansas City just just got out coached. That's what it comes down to. They just, you know, they got handed it, it to them every which way you can think of. I mean. Every aspect of the game, the Buccaneers played better. Um, not what any of us expected. Even the people that thought the Bucs would win this game, nobody saw this coming. And um, I'm going to let you dive into the game first, um, just because I want to hear your thoughts because we haven't talked about it. But I just want to say I love, 100% love, the trash talk, celebration, pettiness type stuff that went on in this game. I mean, in the aspect of the peace sign, the getting on the phone, help is on its way type stuff. I would love that. I mean, Chiefs have been on that wagon all year doing that. Patrick Mahomes doing the four because everybody else is wrong. Tyreek Hill doing backflips into the end zone, doing peace signs, you know, him doing the phone call. I love, honestly, I love that they got a taste of their own medicine a little bit. Oh, that's okay. You don't want to keep going. You don't want to just keep kicking me while I'm down. But I mean, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You're exactly right. And you can't be upset with it. You can't like sometimes, you know, you get a taste of your own medicine and sometimes it don't taste very good. Medicine usually doesn't. And boy, they got a full serving of it because I did miss the help is on the way. I kind of wish I would have saw it because I would have laughed at it. Uh, the peace sign, it actually did make me chuckle just because at that fact, like at that point in the game, it just felt like it was pretty much over. And so when you see Mahomes, you know, do what he can to make the throw and throw across his body back to the middle of the field. And here comes some freaking rookie named Antoine Winfield that the Chiefs could have fucking drafted. Uh, 
bats down the ball from Tyreek Kill and then turns around and does it. And then, like, after the game in the interview, he's like, yeah, this dude caught a ball over me uh, the first time we played them. He did a backflip right in front of me and threw up a peace sign. I didn't forget that. I don't blame you for not forgetting that. And just all the antics that the Chiefs had in that game because they were able to take advantage of the weaknesses that were the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, you flip that, you know what, eight, ten, or eight, nine weeks later when they play again in this biggest game of the year and they caught Kansas City off guard. I mean, you can tell Kansas City was expecting tons of blitzes like they saw last time, and, you know, different type of packages, zone blitzes, man blitzes, stuff like that. Instead, really what Tampa Bay said was, we're not going to blitz. We're going to drop everybody back. We're going to be able to bracket Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey because we're not blitzing linebackers. And uh, our front four, they're going to get pressure the entire game. Kansas City wasn't prepared for that. No one usually really is uh, when you think your offensive line is going to do its job and block. Now, when you lose Mitchell Schwartz and you know early in the year because of a, a lower back injury, and then he hasn't practiced and he's been on IR, he gets removed from IR, I believe, at one point, and then continues to not practice, you really start to think, well, he's probably retiring. So you've done lost one of the best right tackles in the NFL from your team. And then your starting left tackle that you've had since, what, 2013, who was the number one pick in the draft, tears his Achilles in the AFC Championship game. Well, that kind of hurts. And the guy that you had to play right tackle in Mike Rimmers in place of Schwartz from his earlier injury in the year, you move him to the left side of the offensive line, which is an extremely difficult thing to do because you're asking him to go from a guy who writes right-handed all year to go right left-handed all of a sudden and learn how to do it in two weeks and then be able to match the same type of performance you were giving a right-handed it just doesn't work that way. Oh, and then when you move Andrew Wiley, a guy who struggles as a guard, let alone being a football player, you decide he's going to play right tackle. It's just not a good recipe for success, and it didn't matter what the Chiefs tried to do. You know, I think a lot of people want to say, oh, they should have changed their game plan. They didn't. Here's the thing. They couldn't. You want to drop the ball off? Guess what? That nickel corner that's sitting right there that the because of the Chiefs formation, he's going to drop down and take that away. The linebackers are quick enough to get there in coverage and stop them. They're good at open field tackles. Kansas City honestly didn't stand a chance this game the moment the offensive line was unable to block. And that was directly from the start. So for the Chiefs to even get nine points to get the ball down the field like they were, is somewhat impressive because yeah, you know, you did have some amazing throws from Patrick Mahomes that we're used to seeing get dropped. That's tough, but that wouldn't change the outcome of this game because the offense wouldn't have been able to match up to it. Now you want to go to the defensive side of the ball, probably a bad idea to piss off Tom Brady. And that's exactly what happened. I love him. I love honey badger. I love the swag, the swaggerness that he plays with him and Frank Clark, both, you know, in the mindset that they brought to Kansas city and just, the ability to talk smack and then back it up. Well, it's kind of hard to back it up at times when the refs want to throw soft calls and, you know, they want to throw flags and I'm not blaming the refs, but I think we can all agree that there were some calls that were made where it's kind of like, man, come on. It's the biggest game of the year to let these guys play. You know, Mike Evans is a six, four receiver corners, barely six foot. You got to be a little bit more physical this game to compete with them, especially on a comeback route. There's just some things that Honey Badger on a pass interference. It's just kind of like, man, get the fuck out of here. Like, you're the referee. Let these guys play. Enjoy the game just like the rest of us are trying to. Don't make sure your face is being seen 
you know, on TV because that's you're not getting paid for that. And that's kind of what it felt like a little bit at the beginning. And I think it just kind of demoralized the rest of the defense for the Chiefs. You know, they kind of realized we can't play physical. And at that point, they were they were pissed off. They were talking smack. Brady was already pissed in their face. And it just the unsportsmanlike conduct penalties from Chris Jones, you know, and Honey Badger didn't help either. And the big part is, is that when you help them extend drives, you're asking to get roasted. And Tom Brady's going to love those extra opportunities that the Chiefs defense continued to give them at the end of the first half. So all in all, pretty much just to recap everything I said, you can now go into this offseason knowing you need a solid wide receiver number two because Sammy Watkins is not going to be a part of the future. Hardly played. You can't force feed McCole Hardman into being a weapon on this offense. It has to come naturally. You need to fix the offensive line through the draft, and then you need to get faster linebackers on defense that can cover or at least when they see something, they can get there quick enough instead of just the reaction because they did have an opportunity to stuff some of those run plays that went, that especially that Leonard Fournette touchdown. If Anthony Hitchens is a click faster, he's making that tackle. You know what I mean? So those are just the stuff that you really hate to see. But at the same time, you know what you need to fix going into next year, and I think Kansas City is going to be able to do that, uh, especially where some of their cap situations are and how they can let some guys go or they can free it up in terms of the contract and switch it into roster bonuses, um, including with Tyreek Hill – excuse me, with Patrick Mahomes and Tyron Matthew. Um, So that's kind of my whole analysis and idea of the game. I know I've been going on a huge rant here, so I do somewhat apologize, but that's kind of my feelings and thoughts after watching the game on Sunday. That's all fair points, all fair points. Um, For me, it is the ability to get after Patrick Mahomes without actually having to rush very much, right? You're not blitzing. You just have a four-man rush for the most part. And they picked and chose wisely when to send Devin White, which was huge. Um, So that was awesome. Honestly, it was awesome to watch. Um, The biggest thing is, yeah, Tom Brady was fantastic, right? Only 200 yards, but he had three touchdowns. You know, I don't, know, I don't even know what it was. 70% got the ball out of like 2.28 like seconds. Just crazy. Two point. Yep, exactly. But that does not happen if you don't have two ball carriers averaging over five yards a carry. Um, I think that Ronald Jones in the second series, his first series, um, set the tone. Like that first one, Fournette actually seemed a little hesitant, like waiting to hit a gap. And then Ronald Jones came in the second series and just said, I'm fucking running here and you better look out. And he ran over some guys. And then after that, Fournette went wild and uh, good for him. Like he, he had an awesome game there that they were pushing that your guys' defensive line around a bit from the offensive line standpoint, which goes back to your linebackers. Like the linebackers are the need to fill in those gaps when the defensive lines do get pushed around. Um, and you need that speed. I mean, it clearly shows, right? Like look at the speed that the linebackers have on Tampa Bay and they were able to basically shut down your guys's running game. Not that anybody was doing anything, but like your guys's running game was mm-hmm. Clyde Edwards hilarious had some good runs, right? But like he had, it was that mainly that one, like what, 30 yard run, 25 yard run, yeah. something in their area. Other than that, like I didn't feel like he was doing much. Also, it doesn't help, you know, that you get down that much, you end up not passing it very much. Um, oh man, I, I did not realize that Mahomes threw it 49 times until right now. Yeah. I thought it was closer to 40. Um, <laughs> but yeah, dude, like 5.5 average for Mahomes on, on passes, like that's, you're not going to win ball games like that. You're just yeah. not. 
um, two interceptions probably should have been a bunch more to be honest. Um, <laughs> but I mean, unbelievable that so he got many. stuff off. Unbelievable that he got him off. Um, totally agree with you on the, you know, them needing obviously offensive linemen. Um, I actually really want to dive into you about like the skill weapons of this team, because like three weeks ago we were, you know, talking about how amazing this offensive weapons were from all aspects of it, which included Sammy Watkins and Hardman. Right. So like, I really want to dive into that here in a second. Um, Yeah. Kelsey, man, multiple drops and literally didn't get going until the second half. He ends up with 10 catches, but I mean, I think he had five and five actually when it's all said and done, but or Kelsey, I think didn't have a catch in the first quarter. Right. I think his first catch officially came in the second quarter or maybe it was at the very end of the first um, before that final drive. Yeah. Yeah. Just wasn't doing anything there. Um, But yeah, I mean, I actually was surprised that Pringle didn't get more action there. So like that first drive, he got two targets. And then after that, he didn't really see much. Um, I, I don't know about you. Did you think he caught that one in the end zone early on in the game? Yeah, it looked I, like I it. thought he did. We were, we were, I was, I was like, holy fuck, he caught it. And then like after <laughs> finally, after the review, it like shows that he didn't, but like he came dangerously close to pulling down that one hander in the corner of the end zone, which would have been sick. Um, yeah. I mean, for it, honestly, it's a little disappointing. So I was super excited heading into halftime that honestly, that Tampa Bay was up in the aspect of like, we get to see Patrick playoff Patrick Mahomes, right? Like we get to see like, he's going to be ready. And then like, it just didn't happen. So like that, that's what I was most disappointed about that. Like the enemy and Reed didn't come up with something, right? Like you would think that they would have been able to come up with something, but Bulls was just one step ahead of them the entire time. Maybe they did try stuff and Bulls was like, Nope. You know, it's hard for us to say as we're just watching it, you know, but overall, yeah, a little bit different, but um, you know, it happens, you know, you, you'll lose some games here and there. And <laughs> you lose some games here. They only lost two all year and then they come here and freaking get blasted in the Super Bowl. Uh, just casually say that one, Trace. <laughs> uh, with this man, it just here, let me figure out where to start with you. So, in terms of what Buck, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense did so well was, and Patrick Mahomes noted this in his post-game com- uh, press conference, was that they took away the deep ball in the sideline. And they were able to just kind of keep everything in the middle with the linebackers, keeping them underneath, because, you know, you could bracket Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill that way because you're only sending four. So you get a safety, you know, over the top of Tyreek Hill, and then you get another one over Travis Kelsey. And then once you realize he's staying underneath, then you get to cover the deep guy. Well, Sammy Watkins was felt pretty much absolutely irrelevant this game. He's only had one catch for 13 yards, and that didn't come, I think, until uh, later in the game. But, like, Byron Pringle. Byron Pringle started this game. I don't think people realize that. Like, he was one of the first – he was in the – one of the first receivers out there, the first snap for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's literally started the game for him. And it's just like, what the fuck? Like, Sammy Watkins, you've been out this long and you're not starting. Demarcus Robinson, where are you? You weren't an impact either. You only had one catch for 11 yards, and I know that didn't come till late in the game. And McCole Hardman, and I wasn't saying, like, he's not the guy or he can't be the guy, but, like, you can't force him into the offense. Like, you can't force looks to him because you've used him in only certain looks and packages when you give him the ball. And, you know, 
there was a play that they hit with Tyreek Hill and Trace, you might actually remember this play uh, when they did it with McCall Hartman in the Super Bowl. They had him come in motion. He goes flying across the line of scrimmage uh, or excuse me, along the offensive line in front of Patrick Mahomes and he peels off the left side and Patrick throws the ball. And it, for a split second, it looks like it gets picked off by Devin White. But the way the ball comes in, it's just behind McCall Hardman and just in front of Devin White, incomplete pass. The Chiefs had hit that play when they played Tampa the first time, but it was to Tyreek Hill. And they, I think they scored on it or they got really close. It was like a big yard play for him. And the difference is that like Tyreek Hill knows when to turn and look for the ball. McCall Hardman doesn't. He's just fucking running to run. And it's like, bro, you got to get your head around. And then there was another deep play to the right corner um, where Mahomes did fit the ball between the safety and the corner underneath. And it's like McColl just kind of gave up on the route. Like he didn't keep running. And that's something he has really struggled with since being in Kansas City, um, even as his rookie year, because, well, duh, this is the second season with him. And you kind of can tell Patrick is a little frustrated with it in terms of like, man, like this is something we continue to work on. Like this is not the game for you to just kind of give up on a route, keep running and track the ball down. And so I think with that, my whole mindset is like, you have to find another guy that can come in and be a go-to target outside of Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. Now it's hard to have three superstar receivers and that's not exactly what I'm saying, but they got to find a way to get a guy in that you can literally rely on at any point in the game because Sammy Watkins just, he hasn't been that guy. When he is that guy, it's awesome. It works out great. It's fucking fantastic. Demarcus Robinson's not that guy either, though, and you're probably losing him and Watkins both this offseason. That's fine. You want to put Byron Pringle in? Love the dude when he gets his opportunities. The thing is, though, this is probably like his third or fourth season, and you're just now barely getting looks. Probably not the best look for the Chiefs in this offense moving forward. So they need to find something from there going forward and Tracy bring up the defensive line I think that's another thing they just they need to get more depth you know third rounder Colin Saunders that you took last year not last year but in 2019 in the draft he's pretty much just a healthy scratch a huge chunk of the year it's not a good look for Brett Veach in that defense um, when a guy that you're drafting in the third round has become a healthy scratch and isn't getting any viable playing time now, when you do find Tershawn Wharton and you have Mike Pinnell uh, along that defensive line, I guess you like to think you're okay with Derek Naughty being there as well and Chris Jones. But you got to get someone in there that can hold the line. You know what I mean? That's good against the run game because Wharton's more of a pass rushing type of defensive tackle as well along with Chris Jones. So when you get both those guys in and they run, it's kind of hard to stop that. And when you get linebackers that can't fill the gap, you get a Ben Neiman and a Damian Wilson who leads your team in tackles. It's really not where you want to be as a Kansas City Chiefs fan. So were there any questions or topics that you brought up there that I didn't answer? No, I think that kind of handles everything there. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how this team recovers. Obviously, they're very, very talented. They got the coaching. They have everything there, you know. But And not every team can do what the Bucks just did. Like, that needs to be clear, right? Like, nobody has, like, not nobody, but not very many teams have that defensive line that can do that i will say a team that does though is somebody in your division which is the los angeles chargers and you start to wonder if the chargers with brandon staley who's their new head coach tries to rely on that type of game plan for that which uh, what i'm getting at is those games are going to be electric next year and i'm looking very much 100 percent 
Yeah, yep. for sure. Especially with Derwin James being back. And they're probably going to yeah. add to their defense some more, the Chargers, in the draft. So For sure. They're another one of these teams that you really have to look out for in the AFC West. And if Drew Locke figures it out and can find a way to remain calm under pressure when being blitzed to make the right throw, I mean, dead serious. So, like, you have to look out for that. because the And I say that specifically just for Drew Locke because the Broncos are loaded with offensive talent. I mean, in receivers, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Noah Fan, Albert O. You still have Melvin Gordon at running back, Philip Lindsay at running back. The offensive line, you've rebuilt a friend of the freaking podcast, a guy that we should probably ask to see if we can get him back on, fucking Dalton Reisner. Um, and then you look at that defense. They still got Von Miller. They still got uh, Chubb. And the linebackers are probably going to add to that in the draft. Their secondary, Simmons, they're re-signing him. He's going to be one of the best freaking free safeties in the league. It's just you look at it, or I shouldn't say free safety, just safety in the league. Like the Broncos are a team to look out for as well if Drew Locke can figure it out. But that is a huge, massive if. But if he does, that's another, you know, two tough games you got to look out for next year as the Chiefs. Yeah. I mean, for sure. I, I don't believe in Locke, but like I get what you're saying. I mean, it makes sense conceptually. So, um, Let's kind of move on. So we kind of, that's our breakdown of the game, but what about the parade, the awesomeness of this parade? Um, I loved everything about this parade. I love that it was on boats. I love seeing them tossing, you know, the trophy from boat to boat, like risking it all. It doesn't matter. Like, I mean, Brady's just like, whatever, fuck it. This is my seventh. I don't care. Like what, what's the worst that can happen? Just tossing it. Um, him walking out, um, clearly um under the influence of a few a few alcoholic beverages um oh he's intoxicated <laughs> yep yeah, yeah, it is um it's very funny to watch um it's just like that's what i feel like during tailgates we're the we're the same guy tom um <laughs> yeah. so, uh, so awesome though um and i love like i just love how hyped the players are obviously they just won the you know the championship and i love every year it's like yep we're repeating next year you know and i love i love bruce Arians like run it back no that's kansas city's bullshit we're, we're doing whatever you know and i i loved it like don't co- i mean don't copy what the other team was using I, I don't think he meant any disrespect from it it was just like no like if we're all gonna have like bullshit little sayings like we're not gonna just use the same one that the team before us was using so um Looked like a hell of a time. That's what I'm getting at. Um, looked like a hell of a time. Man, I'll tell you what. Like, and this might sound bad. You know, I'm going to take the Chiefs fandom out of this and just clear analyst football talk, talking football podcast here. It was kind of cool to see Tampa celebrate the way they did. Like, I thought it looked like a great time, just like you said, Therese, and maybe I should look at it and be upset and pissed, but – Super Bowl parade for Kansas City last year was fucking cold. You know, it would have been cold this year if not colder. Wouldn't have been as fun. You know, it would have been cool to celebrate. Couldn't really have a parade. Pandemic still going on. But Tampa Bay, boy, they took full fucking advantage of it. Getting the boats out. Tom Brady, you know, you just mentioned it. <laughs> Fuck it. This is my seventh one. A lot of these players are like, whoa, still my first. Take it easy. You know what I mean? Like, don't be throwing that thing. But to see Tom Brady post a video himself on his social media and, like, hear his daughter, like, scream, Dad, no, 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 uh, that's kind of funny. You get, like, the human aspect of Tom Brady, which I think a lot of people are starting to fall in love with more and more because he was such the villain type of guy um, or image, at least, in New England. Like, it was just like, ah, the big bad Patriots win another one. 
Tom Brady leading it, him and Bill Belichick, just the dark forces of, you know, New England and the NFL. He goes to Tampa Bay and you're like, wow, this is, you know, the same guy, but for some reason he's got kind of like a nicer viewership of it. Um, and I think a big part of that is because of what we just got to saw in the parade and just how open he has been since being in Tampa, but like everything else that he did, you know, throwing the Lombardi, having his backup quarterback help him walk through the gate and, you know, stand upright and get through all the cameras. Cause it looked like he was going to go talk to people. Like that's what he wanted to do was go up to the cameras and grab a microphone and just start talking. Kind of wish he would have let him do it because that would have been freaking hilarious. But then to like when him and Antoine Winfield like run into each other and Tom Brady throws up like the peace sign as he's holding his daughter. So fucking cheesy, but yet hilarious. Um, and then the video of him standing on the boat with his backup quarterbacks holding up a seven and the trophy. And he's just kind of like, what are you going to do? And I was like, fuck, Tom, that's a good question because you keep fucking winning. Just freaking retire, please. Um, it's just, it's cool. And the way they got to do it was awesome. Bruce Arians, if you're a Chiefs fan, listen to this. Like, don't take any disrespect to that. And honestly, take all the respect from it. Because he's not trying to copycat the Kansas City Chiefs. He's not trying to be like anyone else. He's going to be Bruce Arians. And they're going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And that's exactly what they are and who they have been. And son of a bitch, they're Super Bowl 55 champions. So good for them. Another thing that we got to give credit to, though, is his entire coaching staff that he has and that diversity of it. Two female coaches. He's got a black defensive coordinator. Or, excuse me, he's got an African-American defensive coordinator. He's got an African-American offensive coordinator, Byron Leftwich and Todd Bowles. And both those guys are very qualified for head coaching jobs. We've already seen Todd Bowles have one. Sorry it was with the fucking New York Jets because, goddamn, bro, you shouldn't have just never accepted it. Get you want to be a head coach probably should have just said i'm good i'm good on that one uh maybe he gets another opportunity maybe byron left which does as well but man they had a great game plan set up and you know just the fact that bruce Arians was able to win a super bowl and trees i don't know if you saw it, i believe his 95 year old mother was in attendance and got to see him win 95 year old mother that's like awesome. as that's he's awesome. accepting the trophy he's like hi mom thanks for coming and she, I think, was a big reason on why he went back into coaching because we all know he retired and then came back in, got the job with Tampa Bay. Um, but, like, for him to give credit to his coaching staff, and it was like, I didn't do shit. It was all these guys. Like, you're going to see him give me all the credit. He's like, you know what I mean? I just kind of managed the game clock and make sure we're all good and things are being done correctly. But they put together the game plans. They're the ones that implemented everything. They're the ones watching tape, you know, getting the job done. Like, these are the guys and people that need thanks. And – that's just what makes Bruce Arians so special to me. And I think why he's going to go down is, you know, one of the favorite coaches that a lot of guys are going to play for. And I think people love playing for him too. And it's going to help out in free agency as well. It, Cause a lot of people looked at Bruce Arians like, man, he's not afraid to talk shit on Tom Brady. I don't think he's talking shit. I just think that's who Bruce Arians is. You're going to get him through and through no matter what the question is or who's it's about. Yeah, for sure. And he clearly knows what he's doing. Nobody's ever questioned that. Like, look what he did with, you know, the Steelers when he was the OC, what he did with the Indianapolis Colts when he was the OC and then head coach, what he did with the Cardinals. Like, he did amazing things with Arizona there and now here. So, I mean, even last year, I know they only went seven and nine, but, man, they were putting up numbers. Their defense was pretty good. I mean, it's, you know, there's only so much you can do when your quarterback is half blind and wants to throw to the other team 30 times a year, you know, so. Um, he's got 10, what is it, when he's got 40-40 vision and 30-30 stats? <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> so awesome. Oh, man. 
Um, but overall, man, um, we can now officially say the Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock, which is exciting for me, obviously. Um, and then, you know, but it's also disappointing that we're uh, no more football. So that's a little disappointing. No more NFL football. The draft and everything's going to be super exciting. Uh, free agency starts in five weeks. So um, I believe it's March 17th, I believe. Uh, it's St. Patrick's Day, whatever day that is. That is when uh, free agency begins. That's going to be awesome. There is some colleges that are playing um, spring football though, right? So um, we might need to look into that a little bit. I, I think that's yeah, I, the, they still like, do division that? two, right? I think that like division two is still playing some games this in the spring. I think I'm going to have to look into that because I don't know if it was one of those, like, and we pushed our season to the spring. We pretty much canceled our season. You know, I don't know if it was like yeah, one of those totally. deals because Me like, either. it's going to be hard to play in the spring and then turn around and be like, we're actually going to play here in the fall too. So, you know, two seasons in one. Yeah. So, okay, cool. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll figure it out. If, if so, we'll be biggest fans. We'll, we'll jump into some, we'll jump into some of that shit here shortly. Um, but I'm excited. First draft season, obviously me way more than other people. My team has 11 draft picks, the number one overall pick and also the most cap space in uh, for free agency. So my team is going to look very different in the next five weeks. And then again, you know, another four or five weeks after that, it's going to look even more different, but you want to know what I got Trevor Lawrence. I actually went, so I went golfing this weekend with my buddies and the guy, the on hole one that, you know, they make you, we went to like a nicer course where you have to like sign like that. What, who's the driver of the cart and like the cart number. And like, you know, they're talking to the clubhouse, like when people are teeing off, you know um, and he was a huge bears fan and my buddy was wearing a bears hat. And so he was like talking about that. And then, they were talking about quarterbacks and stuff. And that was like right when the news that like Wentz might be going to the bears, like kind of like oh, that broke shit, on yeah. for a little bit. So they were just like, Whoa, you know, and I was just like, Oh, I remember the days when I used to get excited over that shit. I'm like, I got my quarterback for the next 20 years. So I don't give a fuck what happens to your <laughs> <guys as> bears. <laughs> like enjoy. So, um, but Trevor Lawrence actually today, for those that are listening when it comes out, but, tomorrow for us is actually throwing tomorrow. So I'm super excited to see that. Uh, yeah, basically is pro day. Um, it's off, but yeah, you know, like it's off, uh, Clemson property, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's having surgery next week for a torn labrum on his non-throwing shoulder. Uh, yeah. Get that shit fixed now. So you can be ready. Come, come June. Like that's what I, that's all I care about. Um, it has been so awesome. Like obviously Jags fans are super excited and like people are just posting just like threads and threads of just like all the amazing throws that he, that he's made in his college career. And I've never seen a quarterback on my team make those type of throws. So I am super excited to have, uh, have a guy that does that. Um, so anyways, enough about you better the Jags get used stuff. to it. Yep. But um, you know, I know we've been saying it for the last couple of weeks, but next episode we will officially kind of dive into head coaching hires, GM hires. And then right after that, we're going to be diving into prospects and diving into, you know, fits for free agency. We'll probably um, do like the top hundred free agents and try to like, I wouldn't say predict where they're going to go, but like just say like where we think some best fits are going to be from, yep. um, you know, a scheme aspect and even a financial aspect as well. So super excited about that. Um but I think that does it for us tonight. You got anything else? 
I don't. Kind of a kind of a shorter episode. I think we actually ended up going decently long with it, just covering the two topics that we did. Um, it's gonna be fun though. I mean, this offseason, and we say it nearly every episode, or at least I do. It's like it's the NFL, it's the business that doesn't sleep. There's always something happening going on. They're always running, you know, the mainstream you know, headlines of topics that anyone can talk about. And that's the reason why we started this podcast. And I'm sure there's going to be plenty of them. Carson Wentz might be on the move here soon within the next week or two. Definitely something to keep an eye on. And then with free agency right around the corner, man, there's just going to be so much to go to get into and dive into. And it's going to be a blast. So thank you guys for listening, sticking with us through another season. Uh, it's been fun. And I can honestly tell you, the future is bright because what we have going on here, what we're about to have going on with the podcast is going to be great. Just got to get settled in, deal with a couple more things that we got to get fixed and set in and, you know, lined out and we'll be rocking and rolling, baby. Perfect. All right. We appreciate you all. We've missed you and we'll be back next week. Tonight we've been talking football.